0: Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Oshvin, I've got Brian on the phone with me, and on this week's episode we're going to be talking about the 2003 film Wrong Turn, directed by Rob Schmidt and starring Desmond Harrington and Elisa, Eliza Dushku. In this film, a group of friends and a medical student find themselves in troubling company when they take a wrong turn in West Virginia. If you're new to our show, we're going to spend a few minutes at the top talking about the background of the film. We'll take a quick break while you hear some music, and then we'll jump into the plot, hit some spoilers, and get into our review. Brian, is this your first time seeing this, or had you seen this film before?
1: This is my first time seeing this. I've seen the remake that was... I honestly think I might have put that in my top five last year, I my 2021 top five. Right. Uh, Really enjoyed that, but I had never seen this. Um, And I think this is a request from Marnie a long time ago.
0: Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd never seen it either. And uh, I'm surprised because, yeah, it spawned a whole, like, sequel or, like, a whole franchise. I think there are six or seven films. (laughs) Seven movies. That's incredible, right? Right, Yeah. And uh yeah, to to not have seen any of this uh is kinda crazy. Um you didn't feel watching the remake that like you needed to see this before that one?
1: No, no, not at all. Um all right. and I, I think seeing this confirmed it. I I don't think there's any need to watch this before you watch the, the remake. It truly oh, okay. is a remake. It takes the premise and repeats it, but it's quite different. Cool. Yeah. Well I, I guess I think... you'd call it a re It's a reboot. It's a reboot.
0: So, yeah. Uh can you remind me what the difference is between a remake versus... Well, I guess, yeah, What what is... You're talking about a reboot of the franchise, right?
1: Yeah, I can't even really <laughs> describe <laughs> I feel like there's some subjectivity. <laughs> when I think of a remake, I think of more like, let's just redo the same thing pretty closely to how it was done before with some minor variations, and a reboot to me is more like, let's take that premise... Go a slightly different direction with it, and then you could have sequels from this. Mm, Yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't know. Some people might challenge me on that.
0: Yeah, so you have a sense like they might be doing more sequels then.
1: I, I don't know. Maybe. Okay,
0: cool. Uh, yeah I, I really want to see that reboots uh, but I, I thought we'd start with this one. Um, I can't tell I I, I I don't think it was like too big of a film when it came out. like the budget was 12.6 it made 28.7 million at the box office. so not a big box office and I think uh, a lot of the promotion was uh, was withheld or there was a lot of censorship around it because of how extreme. Uh, some of the critics thought this movie was. So, I yeah, it wasn't on my radar at all when it came out. Was it
1: on yours? When it came out, no, I don't think so. Gosh, the 2003, oh, I guess I was in college. Yeah, I don't really remember it being on my radar. It also just, even then, it looked pretty generic. Oh, yeah. Even if you hadn't even seen many of these uh, hillbilly horror movies is what we've been calling them. We've also been calling them... Urbanoia films is, I think, a term perhaps coined by Carol J. Clover in Men, Women, and Chainsaws, but okay. I think an Urbanoia is maybe the less offensive term, because, you know, hillbillies especially don't want to hear non-PC yeah, language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. you got to be
0: careful with that kind of language. <laughs> they'll jump on you on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't realize this was uh, in that genre. I think, uh, Andy I, I think you're right. Like the title, when you hear it, it like doesn't sound like it's going to be something too interesting. Um, yeah. So, so maybe it just kind of fell under the radar when you had. I, I feel like around that time was like the Ring and Saw and like J horror was taking off. So I, I could see this one not being huge when it came out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, twenty eight point whatever. Twenty eight point seven. Nothing to sneeze at. And I'm sure if you you know adjusted that for inflation it might be more like mid 30s today mm-hmm. so you know it's not huge yeah but it's something it, it, it had, yeah it drew some crowds it's not I, nothing i guess but like the
0: fact that every sequel after this went straight to video makes me think maybe not a commercial success
1: right yeah i mean you got to have like typically the number you, people will say is uh 3, three times, times the the budget to to make back your money, just like a rough rough rule of thumb. It really depends on the promotion sure. advertisement for the movie or the promotion budget for the movie and other costs that aren't don't go directly to the movie's budget number but are kind of peripheral. Right. So it probably didn't make its money back in the theater. Yeah, right. Saw, I would imagine it saw success on the DVD, DVD market, segment. and that's, hence all the sequels, yeah. Right, right. Okay. But yeah, this was a time—a big time of. I don't know. I mean, you can put it in a place with those other movies of the early two thousands. Like, it's a, almost an overlap of the hillbilly horror genre with the torture horror. I guess, like, of like the Saw's in the Hostel. Yeah, mm-hmm. like this is very violent and vivid and kind of mean spirited, like those. Like, right. I think it is very much a part of the trend you're seeing in post-9-11 cinema where horror just got extra mean and and gory. Yeah, Um, sure. There's a sense of, like, brutal attacks, gory gory stuff. Yeah, right, people being tortured in the wake of 9-11, stuff like that. Sure, sure. And it also seems like there was maybe, like, a miniature boom of hillbilly horror in that time period too. You had this, yeah, the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre or reboot, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, two thousand three, House of Thousand Corpses, The Hills Have Eyes remake came out in two thousand six. Joyride yep. from two thousand one, kind of flirted with this subgenre. Yeah, and then what? If, I was, oh, go ahead. What,
0: what about like House of Wax? Does that fall into this genre? I never saw House of Wax remake. Did you? Uh, I think so. I think they had like Paris Hilton in it. And for some reason, I I thought they were like out in like a rural area getting attacked by something.
1: Oh, maybe. Okay. Uh, that was not what was the situation in the original House of Wax, but I'm sure that was quite different. Oh, gotcha. Um, I was also thinking about just the, (laughs) sorry to use the term redneck, but like redneck culture and humor in society in general seemed like it was kind of prevalent around that time oh. like king of the hill started in 1997 mm. and went for many seasons the blue collar comedy tour started in 2000 larry the cable guy was big oh, george boy. w bush was elected in 2000 and had you know like a bit of a good old boy, good old boy vibe around him yeah i just feel like country was kind of in the zeitgeist around this time and i can't mm. Help, but wonder if that had something to do with this little uh, cycle of of hillbilly horror, reminiscent of the nineteen seventies stuff we saw. Wow, interesting. Yeah, kind of
0: popped up the late nineties, early two thousands. Do you think? Um, do you think? I, I haven't seen the new one of this, but like, do you think this genre has any more gas in it, or like, will ever see more films like uh, in 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 this like kind of making fun of the rural
1: area? I think you in the that? The cultural divide in this country, yes, I think this has infinite gas in the tank, this subgenre. It'll get Mm. stale and repetitive, so you got to find new ways to tackle it, which I think Wrong Turn 2021 achieved. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's possibly a bit evergreen. However, it's very easy to just rehash the tropes and bring nothing new to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. A lot of these movies start to feel a little repetitive. Uh, I, I'm surprised to think uh, that there's more to this because I, I feel like in the new environment, or not a new environment, but as the environment involves and people are more like sensitive towards like people in other states or uh, you know people living under poverty and stuff. Uh, so some of this stuff kind of seems like it wouldn't fly today. But yeah, maybe there's a space for it.
1: Right. Yeah, but I think this is. I think horror can be a way to subvert that stuff and, and sneak mm-hmm. around it and examine it head-on and and be blunt about it, too. Sure, sure. Carol Clover called this subgenre, Urbanoia, a confrontation between haves and have-nots or the exploiters and their victims. Mm -hmm. So I think, and maybe what we see is, yeah, there's still more gas in the tank, but it's not hillbilly horror. It's a totally different take on that or maybe a new subgenre or maybe just those same story archetypes cloaked in a different type of story. So you're not realizing what you're seeing is like a city versus country movie, but then you could analyze it as such and be like, oh, holy shit, this has all the same plot beats as Deliverance, even though it doesn't even take place in the country. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think there's probably going to be a lot more of that happening.
0: Interesting. Because even you look at the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I feel like they pulled out that aspect of it quite a bit from, like, the original, uh, and it was more about them just being kind of attacked by a, a dude in the in the middle of nowhere.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, that... that I think that's still... The themes maybe weren't as rich there. I can't quite remember that movie so well now, but... But, you know, actually, the,
0: the kids were all, like... I mean, they were coming, uh, like, in a bus to, like, a, bl- a city they had bought or
1: something, so maybe... maybe Oh, that remake, like, the remake from a couple years ago. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I still think those themes were there for sure. They like okay. kicked that old lady out of her house and oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. For, also, um, you know, we have like, a little bit of the flip of this now, too, with movies like Ready or Not, the confrontation between the haves and have nots. But the have nots are our main characters. Oh, yeah. And the right. haves
0: are the evil rich people. Right. Right.
1: That's um, kind of been kind of a trend lately in the past yeah, few the years. Yeah. Uh, the hunt. And the like,
0: hunt. The you hunt. Know, yeah. Many to some degree. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. Th- uh, so th- th- this is uh, falling in the square into that. Um, special effects on this film were done by Stan Winston, who I think is a fairly big name. Uh, he did the effects for, like, Predator, which we talked about, Aliens, Jurassic
1: Park, Terminator. Uh, you pretty familiar with this guy? Yeah. Yeah. He's won, like, four Academy Awards for, for effects. Um, and he... I don't know how much of a hand he had in the effects. He was a producer on the movie and the effects were his studio. He owns his own makeup studio hmm. or special effects and design studio. They did the effects. So got it. I don't know if he was having a hand in the design and work himself, but it was through his studio and he was a producer. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a nice big name to have uh,
0: on, on site. For sure. As a producer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was written by the guy who wrote Halloween 4, Alan B. McElroy, um,
1: what else? A wild oh. fun fact, too, is Alan wrote the sole screenwriter on the 2021 remake, too. Oh, no way. Oh, he kinda, came back for that? Kind of cool. He came back and he just totally rehashed, reworked the story. It's only, That's awesome. a, only has minor resemblances. To, the premise is the same, but the rest of the story turns out much differently. Okay. Uh, so that really kind of made my eyes pop just having seen both of them. He really, I got to respect what he did there.
0: Yeah, almost like 20 years later coming back and rewriting the whole story. Yeah, well. to totally,
1: like totally redo this?
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I'm sure that keeps like a lot of uh, consistency throughout the, the two films as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. This dude also wrote the screenplay for Spawn from 1997. Yeah, which I don't, that wasn't a good movie, was it? <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In 7th grade I fucking loved it, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it was a good movie or not. It it has its defenders. It's a little bit like The Crow. Ah, the Crow <laughs> The Crow's way more deep hates. and has a lot more fans. But yeah. some people will be like this movie's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Most people. Then it has a few that are like dude, for 1997 this was an incredible visual movie that just mm. nothing else was like it, and there it has its staunch defenders. Yeah,
0: damn. All right, I'll have to go back. I remember the soundtrack was like pretty noteworthy, but- uh, I had the soundtrack. I
1: still listen to the soundtrack every <laughs> yeah, once in a while. Like 311, all that stuff on there? No. Wait, was 311 on there? Uh I don't know. They, it, I was it was all mashups. Point. It was all musicians working with other musicians. So like Sneaker oh. Pimps and Marilyn Manson had a song. Ah, uh, okay. And- Oh, like Slayer had a song with a group called like Atari Teenage Riot that was more like electronic type move- music. It was oh. There were some gnarly songs on there.
0: Oh, okay, okay, maybe that'll be our next uh, Patreon uh, as as we go through. I would Super- love, I would love to do that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so on Rotten Tomatoes, this film has a forty percent. From critics and 54% from audiences. So uh, I think we haven't seen that in a while where a film has
1: a higher audience review, have we? Or did Reanimator have that? Uh, no, Reanimator actually had a higher critic score. Oh, okay. Uh, I can't remember. But yeah, a, a movie like this, it's not unusual. Kind of more yeah. like popcorn, cheesy entertainment type stuff. Right, right. Um, the characters in this film, like the
0: villains, they're. They have names, I guess, and I think these probably become more prominent in future franchises, but uh, they're named like Sawtooth, Three Finger, and One Eye. But I, I don't think those names are mentioned at
1: all in this film, are they? Uh, I don't know. They're not called that, certainly, but they may be credited as such. Oh, uh, okay, in the credits, sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, right. I got to read every movie. In the oh,
0: franchise, yeah. <laughs> do you happen to know every movie in the franchise? In the way they came out?
1: <laughs> Why, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> so, Wrong Turn Two, Dead End, came out in two thousand seven. Wrong Turn Three, Left for Dead, came out in two thousand nine. Those were both sequels. Wrong Turn Four, Bloody Beginnings, in twenty eleven, was a prequel. Wrong Turn Five, Bloodlines, from twenty twelve, was also a prequel. And then Wrong Turn Six, Last Resort, from twenty fourteen, was a reboot. Hmm. And then Wrong Turn twenty 20- twenty one was another reboot. Wow. Okay, uh,
0: that's crazy because it, it is such a crowded field, and to, to some degree, don't you feel like these movies um, really like get repetitive when you when you talk about this uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, all, all the ones you're mes- mes- uh, mentioning before.
1: The subgenre itself gets more repetitive than other subgenres. You think? Yeah, I think so.
0: Like, uh, I feel like we've seen this plot like play out how many countless movies?
1: Yeah, man, I think you're right. I I feel like there's just not as many different ways you can take the plot as other subgenres. Like a vampire movie or a zombie movie or a supernatural movie, they can get repetitive and they all do the same stuff, but there's different ways you can take them. There's a lot of things you can do with a vampire story. Mm -hmm. A hillbilly horror story is pretty much always the same. Yeah, It feels like it, yeah. I think there's different a variety of themes to explore, or or riffs on the same theme, essentially. Mm-hmm. But then you have movies that don't necessarily explore any of the themes and just have the trappings of these type of movies, and that's when they can certainly get repetitive, yeah. Sure, yeah, a lot of similar tropes.
0: And, uh, yeah, so many of them seem focused on the same area, too, the Appalachia. Poor West that's Virginia. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Appalachia, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't help but feel a little bit bad, but I think we both like loved uh, Deliverance. I feel like that was like a great, like, unique take on on this type of story.
1: Yeah, I think we both watched it for the podcast, never having seen it, and we're like, "Holy shit, that's a great movie!" Right, right, exactly. That Deliverance holds a special place in my heart in terms of our episodes. I feel like our show changed from that episode forward. No kidding. I what think happened? that was a turning point in the show where we just got better. <laughs> that was the episode. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think that was an episode I'm still really proud of, and I I think we got a little bit better. I haven't gone cool. back and listened to it, but I remember thinking, good job, us. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we, we finally did one good episode.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, cool. I got to go back and uh, check that one out. Uh, you got an Ohio connection for us, or any, any other background? Uh, I do have an Ohio connection. The only other background thing I wanted to mention was this was shot by John Bartley, who was the cinematographer for 62 episodes of The X-Files and 51 episodes of Lost. Oh, cool. So he's done movies as well, but, yeah, big name in TV. Yeah, those are huge TV shows. Yeah. Our Ohio oh, Connection and, oh, is interrupted sorry, as always. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Anything on the cast? Uh, I, I didn't really recognize anyone except the main dude from uh, Dexter, but what, what about you?
1: Oh, yeah, I didn't really dig too much into the cast. Eliza was in Bring It On. Um and Jeremy Sisto, I recognized right away as Elton from Clueless.
0: Oh, cool. Because
1: I fucking love Clueless.
0: <laughs> you do that? That's your go-to. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the one with Alicia Silverstone, right?
1: That's the one with Alicia Silverstone. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and she just actually <laughs> reprised that role for a Super Bowl commercial. Oh, man. I yesterday
0: as, a, as we record this. Nice, nice. All right. Sorry. Yeah. What do you got as the Ohio Connection?
1: Sure. As always, our Ohio Connection is done by our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar in Cleveland, Ohio. Swing by for some drinks and food. Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio, and he says, Wrong Turn is a slasher film written by Alan B. McElroy McElroy. The film follows a group of six individuals being stalked by a cannibalistic family in the woods. Alan B. McElroy is a screenwriter, producer, and director of film, television, comic books, and video games best known for his collaborations with Todd McFarlane, on the Spawn franchise, and for penning the horror film *Halloween* 4 *The Return of Michael Myers*, among others, McElroy was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Whoa, nice! Are Cleveland native? We should watch *Halloween* four this this October. Yeah, we've only got to part three so far, right? We've covered three. We covered both the zombies remakes. Oh yeah. And we covered right. all the new ones. So yeah, time time to do four, five, six, and and then those '90s ones. Great! I'm excited. Late '90s
0: ones, yeah. Yeah, I like that franchise. All right. You ready to uh, jump into the plot then? Let's do it. All right. Hey, before we do, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? Sure. All right. I'll be right back. <laughs> Right, Brian. Sorry about that. I'm back.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back. Everything okay?
0: Uh, everything was good. It was just, uh, it was nap time. Uh, you know, my friends and I, we just went out and killed a bunch of people, and it was time to take our nap afterwards. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> just... Nothing like that
1: sunny <laughs> afternoon, just murdered people nap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's not the same without it. One thing uh, people don't tell you about murder is it takes
0: a lot out of you. Dude, it's so exhausting. <laughs> yeah. uh, and In one thing people don't tell you about naps is they're, they're great to be doing with buddies, too. I <laughs> 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 just
1: think that's a solo thing. <laughs> buddies make the best naps. I've taken some buddy naps. Yeah. The There's best a whole Friends there. episode about that. Oh, really? Buddy take naps? Oh, that's great. Yeah. God, who is it? I think Ross and Joey end up taking naps together. I can't remember. <laughs> that's great. Mm-hmm. I was wondering why people, like Friends don't do that more.
0: like It was like, ah, oh, you want to do something. Like, Why don't I just take a nap together? It seems... Pretty relaxing. Exactly. We should try it. We should. Yeah, we'll do that next time. All right. All right, so this film opens with a pair of rock climbers who are making their way to the top of a cliff. One of the climbers makes it up there but then disappears, and suddenly his body shows up again, and he's been murdered. The other climber starts getting pulled up the hill by an unseen assailant, so she cuts the rope and falls to the ground. She tries to run away, but she trips on some barbed wire, and then she gets dragged into the woods uh by someone we can't see. What did you think about this opening? Mixed feelings, my
1: man. I really? there is a part where she like started falling and screamed and the guy was like, Who are you screaming for? We're fifty miles away from anybody.
0: And I was like, <laughs> Oh Dick. what a horrible <laughs> yeah.
1: line. Yeah. And who would ever say that? Yeah. Uh it was just like such obvious exposition. But how in terms of like how the Sequence was shot and everything, and the setup, just the situation here as a whole, is actually pretty cool. Just how the action plays out and how things are oriented—it's a good way to start the movie. How about you? I
0: agree. I agree. It got my attention, and uh, I, I, yeah, I thought it worked really well and like built on the scares. I'm also like uh, I'm kind of scared of rock climbing anyway, um, so it was cool to kind of see like her reaction to getting pulled up the hill by someone she can't see and, and cutting that off. Like those. Pretty like it gets us fence there.
1: Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of heights. I wouldn't say I've got like a paralyzing fear, but a healthy fear of heights. So sure, stuff like this gets to me. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Like especially if you can't see who's at
0: the top, right? What's going on? What you're climbing towards? Yep, so that worked. Uh, so then we meet our main character. It's this guy named Chris, and he's driving down the highway in his Mustang, I think. Uh, he runs into some traffic, and he's in a rush, so he asks this trucker to give him some advice, and the trucker tells him to go back and fix his hair a hundred more times. I thought that was a great dig. Did you like that? (laughs) That was a pretty sick burn. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, He turns around and he finds a map at this nearby stop that shows a shortcut through this mountain pass. So he ventures out that way, and while he's switching CDs in his car between one terrible mix to another... Oh, the music is so bad bad in this movie. (laughs) It's so painful. It's
1: like early 2000s (laughs) alternative metal. Yeah. The the movie closes with this horrible song by Breaking Benjamin is, it's oh excruciatingly <laughs> bad. It is. It's terrible.
0: <laughs> I I wonder um this whole era of like early 2000s like the fashion was terrible, the music was terrible, uh, movies were like hit or miss, I guess. Whereas like the, you know the 90s are now like looking people are looking back like kind of respecting it. Uh, do you think we're going to come like up on like in 5 10 years a period where like we'll look at this music and feel like it was good?
1: No. I I've said before on the podcast. I think this is that period of time was the most culturally embarrassing time <laughs> of modern history. <laughs> like Yeah. Even, you know, the eighties and wacky shit, it's kinda like a loving fond memory. But people I think there's very few people that look back on the times of like Corn and Carson Daly at Total Request Live and Limp Biscuit. It's just all kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, it is. I, I I would still say I some of that music I've gone back and reexamined and think some of it is actually good, mm-hmm. but it was so self serious and everyone thought they were so cool and, yeah. oh my god, Carson Daly trying to be such a poser with his black nails, <laughs> it's it's excruciating, it's embarrassing. It is, yeah. It's hard not to be embarrassed. I don't think I things. don't think it's coming back. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's hard to see it coming back. It, although there is like a very vocal portion of our generation and the much younger generation. We've got guys in their 20s on our Discord server who are really big fans of, like, Corn and lip biscuit and stuff. So mm-hmm. I could see it maybe coming back around to an extent, but yeah. that whole culture, it was so bland, too, in a way. And the two main characters here, the two people we're meant to empathize with the most, are an example. Like, they are so <laughs> bland and cookie cutters. Something about... Even though yeah. Carson Daly was painting his nails black, there was something about this period where a cool person had almost no character. Yeah, <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Like, Carson,
1: that's, that's the funny thing about Carson Daly in black nail polish. He was utterly devoid of personality out of <laughs> that. And that was cool. He had, yeah. it was a well-groomed, handsome man with no personality. And that sure. is who our main character is in this movie. Pretty much, yeah. Not much underneath
0: here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, that I guess that's a fair way. Uh, yeah, it's almost like early two thousands. I, I I think I agree with what you're saying. Like it was taking itself really seriously, and the humor of that era doesn't really like transcend into its performances or anything.
1: And it was one of the most offensive times too, in terms of like so many times when we watch movies and we're like, oh boy, that that hasn't aged well. Mm-hmm. Stuff between two thousand and two thousand eight is more guilty of that than any other time period. No way, than the nineties. I think so, man. Think about how many movies we've watched from, like, 70s, 80s, 90s that have dropped the F word as a gay slur. Mm. Uh, uh, it's happened, for sure. But we've yeah. seen quite a few in 2000 to 2008 that do it. Sure, sure. Yeah, That's like, yeah, I'm thinking Eli Roth and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not just that, but just, like, sp- sexism was bigger. I feel like things got less racially diverse in that time period. Hmm. It is not a good period. It's not a good yeah. book. Yeah, it's almost like we regressed somehow. Uh and then yeah, that's weird. I was okay. reading something that really it, it more intelligently than I can put put pen to paper and describe that and I was like it's good to hear someone else say that because that's kind of the way I've felt. But. I feel like there were gems, but right? I'm just not like
0: remembering them from that era. But yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly bad things.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are still good things about culture in that area. I, I shouldn't outwardly... Re- I shouldn't reject, throw the baby out with the bath water, but what was popular was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, especially yeah. now
0: looking back. Mm-hmm. All right, well, TVD I, I still feel like t- five years from now, like I, I feel like five years ago or 10 years ago, we were saying the same thing about the 90s, so I, I feel like there could be a chance that like, five, 10 years from now, we'll have a different conversation, but we'll see. Yeah, we will see. Uh, so yeah, he's listening to terrible music, and while he's switching CDs, he crashes into a stranded vehicle. He meets the occupants of the vehicle. It's these five friends whose tires had gotten punctured by some barbed wire on the road. So he joins up with three of them and the four of them go to look for help while two stay behind to watch the car. While they're waiting by the car, one of the friends goes missing while the other woman gets attacked by a razor wire to her throat by some huge dude in the woods that we don't really see their face. What did you think of this kill and the character setup so far?
1: I thought that kill was actually pretty cool. I mean, it was quick and surprising, but kind of gory and a lot of gore implied. Too, yeah, with, though, like, the razor on the neck. Yeah, I feel like it was, like, through her mouth even. Oh, yeah. I think you're right, yeah. Uh, pretty rough, pretty rough. Um, I don't like the characters at all. Actually, I feel like these were two <laughs> two of the most interesting ones get off right away. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's pretty paint-by-numbers so far, but the, the kills and horror elements so far have been good. Right. Also want to mention, one thing we purported in our Deliverance episode was that a gas station was... The Harbinger? Uh, yeah. Often a gas station was like the Harbinger of Doom or either way, some sort of pivotal space in any hillbilly horror Yeah. movie. and And... I went so far as to purport that maybe the explosion of this subgenre had to do with the expansion of the interstate highway system and people getting more exposed to rural areas in general, which I mm, think getting more gas stations have become such a, yeah, like you, you encounter more people in more rural areas if you can access those areas and you do right. that. The gas station is your conduit for actually meeting the people because you're in your car all the other time. Right.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. And then the gas station people are like into the scheme or whatever. Right. Like they're, they're often,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if they're uh, well-meaning or not, the villains themselves, they they kind of have some inside knowledge and often say something under their breath as this character does. <laughs> like, you're going to regret <laughs> you know, going that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's such a trope. It is. It really is. Yeah. That That's hilarious. <laughs> <I> when
0: wonder, <laughs> wonder what Hollywood had against uh, these gas stations in right? rural America. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. This this was a, a cool kill. It was a, kind of some brutality that comes out of nowhere with the with the kill. Like, uh, didn't expect that kind of violence here. Um, so Chris and the three others find a remote cabin that they wander into in search of a phone. This cabin is full on creepy. Uh, they find a bunch of like human body parts in there, and it's pretty dirty. And there's a record player that's kind of running, so it's like staged pretty well. They freak out, but before they can escape, a truck pulls up. And they hide some of them under the bed, some of them in a closet. And they see these three monstrous-looking people come in with these dead bodies uh, of the fr- of the friends that they had left behind. The, these attackers decide to take a nap at this point. And while they're napping, the four of them sneak out of the house. But the door wakes up the assailants, who then pursue them. Uh, I thought this was a, a pretty scary like, and suspenseful scene. What, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I think so too. Again, this movie is such a like commingling of things where I'm just like, oh, this is so lame. And others where I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like Uh they just break into this rural house without thinking twice about it. And they touch everything. (laughs) They literally (laughs) pick up or run their fingers along everything in the house. Yeah, it's like slowly taking their time. (laughs) Yeah, right. But then the way this is done with them hiding while the guys bring the body in and, like, settle in for their nap is actually pretty cool and suspenseful. There's a scene where the blood from this girl with the barbed wire through her mouth is, like, running down a little hill. You know, they've got a dirt floor in this place, so it's, like, running through a tiny little gully about to, like, touch our main character's hand. And it's just a, a cool moment. There's just a couple of really, really well-written and directed scenes co-mingled with some like really cliche trappings um so those do stand out whenever there's suspense or action it's a standout point in the movie
0: yeah and i also think what's different about uh what we're seeing here versus some of those other films um there isn't like as like silliness or goofiness from like the attackers and it, it feels like more scary and brutal um with like yeah like that blood like the suspense with the blood or i think at this point they even like are they eating the body as well or are they, uh, they're they're cutting it up. Right? They're like on they're table chopping somebody
1: up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It seems like a little grimmer than like uh, I feel like Rob Zombie or uh, others how they've treated uh, hillbilly horror.
1: Yeah. Right. Like they, our main character interacts with the gas station guy, but these aren't people you interact with and mm-hmm. say something ominous and try to figure out what to make of these people. They are, a hundred percent sincerely evil. People. Right. And not only are they, like, a little bit of the other because they're a rural person, we've gone full-blown into that, like, archetype, and they're just essentially m- the next closest thing to monsters. Right, right. They're. It was implied, too, in the credits that they are mutated. Some sort of genetic thing has gone on with them. It's yeah. even implied that they have super strength. As a result of their mutations, just through like headlines that you see in the opening credits. Ah, uh, right. Um, yep. They mention deformities and uh, yeah, facial yep. differences are, are definitely a trope in this subgenre, but these are just like full out monstrosities almost. That yeah. sounds horrible to say, but like this is beyond the facial differences that exist in day to day life.
0: Yeah. I, and I do feel like later in the film we get a sense of like maybe some supernatural element to them, almost like a, a Jason in like Friday the 13th potentially. Right. So there could be something like demonic at play here. Sure. If you want to, if you, if I'd like to hear more about that. <laughs> right. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that comparison. Uh, the four of them then run into this uh, junkyard that's like piled with old cars where the assailants pull up and find them there. Chris attempts to run in the opposite direction to distract them, but he gets shot in the leg. So then one of the other group members, a guy named Scott, runs the other direction into the woods, and he lures the attackers after him. Chris and the two others, uh, who are Jesse and Carly, uh, jump into the assailant's truck and take off into the woods to regroup with Scott. But right before Scott can make it to the truck, he is taken down with a bow and arrow by one of the assailants. So then the three of them escape in the truck. Again, like, I, I thought this was, like, a pretty suspenseful scene in the attack in the woods. What what did you think?
1: Yeah, yeah. This attack in the woods was really good. And you get the car driving, like, parallel to our boy, uh, what is it, Scott, Scott, who's running? Yeah. And you're like, oh, they're going to accidentally run into him or what's going to happen? And then he gets shot with an arrow. And they are sitting there trying to figure out why he stopped. And we know he's been shot. And, right, Again, the action sequences—they're done really well. They're very entertaining. They're shot well. They're directed well. All the blocking and everything, and the way the camera work weaves through the the setting—it's really good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think it works. Uh, even like while he's running through the woods really fast, uh, I, I feel like I was just like scared the whole time he's gonna like hit a trap because we saw that in the beginning. Right. He tripped on something. You just keep like thinking like, oh shit, he's gonna run into something.
1: For sure, right? We saw our first character trip over the barbed wire. We saw another character get the barbed wire through the mouth. So they set us up to think he's going to run into a trap. He's yeah. going to run into barbed wire. Right. Then the way they're editing it, they're seeing the car driving and not necessarily looking where they're going. They're seeing right. we're seeing the guy running and not necessarily looking where he's going. So we're exactly. like, oh god, they're just going to hit him with the car, aren't they? <laughs> exactly. And that's neither of those happens. So that's yeah. That the screenwriting here. And it's hard to tell too what screenwriting and what's direction because action scenes, especially in screenplays, can be like a chase ensues, <laughs> and oh, that's yeah. all I could say. Or it could map this whole thing out. So to credit the screenwriter versus the director here, I'm I don't know which which to do. Um, I don't either.
0: Yeah, but it, but it
1: works. And in, I'd in, like, say the both probably work. deserve some extent of the credit. But yeah, it, it sure. works. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So. Later, uh, now that they've escaped briefly, they come across a watchtower in the woods. So they go up there and they find a radio where they call for help. Unfortunately, though, the assailants find them and they light the watchtower on fire. So Chris, Jesse, and Carly now jump out of the watchtower into these trees where they are pursued as one of the assailants climbs up the trees and is chasing after them. Uh, I, You know, I don't, I don't know a lot about trees, but is this how, how it works? Like, there's this whole, like, lair... Of like the top brush or something that you can just kind
1: of like run through? I mean, these these seemed like California redwoods or something in the middle of <laughs> yeah. West Virginia. Yeah. Every branch was like as thick as the trunk of the tree and could support a human's <laughs> exactly. full body weight. There's like a highway up there. I don't right. I don't think this is really how trees work. <laughs> At okay. least not in West Virginia. Uh, but again, it was hokey and silly, but also Kind of a cool... Yeah. Scene.
0: Yeah. I, I appreciated the the setting here. Like, the them being in the watchtower, those guys burning the watchtower, uh, and then, like, them having to pivot to this this tree thing. Uh, and, like, it, it moved, like, pretty well. Yeah, it did. They they really execute these action sequences well. Yep. Uh, in this chase through the trees, uh, Carly gets surprised attacked by one of the attackers who puts an axe through her face. And it causes her body to drop down to the ground way below. Jesse and Chris, did you like that kill?
1: Yeah, I mean, it seemed like her head was cut in half at the mouth. Right. And then we see her body tumble lifelessly as it, like, bounces off branches towards the bottom with a camera angle from, like, above her head. Yep. The camera angles through this whole scene were really cool. There was a moment where it's, like, weaving through the branches that I Mm -hmm. don't even know how they did like there may have been some cg assist there or it was just like really cool camera work either way sure yeah uh so i dug it yeah
0: yeah i I feel like the camera work on these chases are are done really well Mm -hmm. it gives gives the movement a a good flow yes uh chris and oh yeah so jesse jesse and chris escape but the next morning right when they think they're coming up on a road they get attacked by the assailants again and this time uh they drag Jesse away. Chris makes it down to the road and waves down a police officer, but the police officer gets shot with an arrow through the eye. Chris hides under the police car while the assailant gets into the car and drives it back to the cabin where they're holding on to Jesse. Uh Chris lights this fire outside of the cabin and then drives the car into the cabin and him and Jesse kind of battle it out with the attackers and eventually blow up the cabin. Uh, what do you think of this scene? Well, the, the,
1: this whole like b- battle and like battle, yeah, there's the, a the whole Kleenex. sequence here. So, yeah. first of all, I want to go back to the when they get out of the trees, they're like in hiding behind this waterfall. Yeah, and she confesses that her boyfriend broke up with her, and all her friends took off work <laughs> to t- called off work to take her here. Yeah. And now they're dead. And he's like, it's not your fault. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that was literally like the first emotion we've gotten from her or him in the entire movie. And there's like 20 minutes left. Yeah. Though for him, it makes sense. He d- he doesn't care about these people, does he? No, but like <laughs> the, they're just such underwritten, underdeveloped characters. We know nothing about them. Yeah. We don't even see them take any sort of action that defines who they are other than their will to survive. Right. And this is the only thing we've gotten from any of them, 20 minutes left in the movie, and it's just so cliche. It is, yeah, yeah. I
0: think, uh, what about the other characters, though, like the couple that Carly and Scott who are engaged? Like we got a little bit more about like them like wedding planning and stuff. Uh, the movie they...
1: makes this mistake of, I don't know, maybe it was deliberate, developing characters who are offed immediately. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, those were the most interesting characters in the movie, and you've got your two most straight-laced, boring Carson Daly motherfuckers (laughs) surviving to the end of the movie. It's just that's what it it takes to survive, man. You got to be straight-laced and boring. I mean, he had a good (laughs) run (laughs) on TRL, so I guess there is something about survival there. Yeah, there you go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It's we we know very little. The one thing we know, and that I keep hoping is going to come back, but it doesn't. Is uh, Chris like the whole movie is set off with him? We know he's like a doctor or like a, a med student, and he's trying to get to an interview. So I, I kept thinking somehow that's going to come into play, but I don't think
1: it does. Does it? No, no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's just like such a weird little excuse for him to be, you know, lost on the road. And then yeah, it's, it does nothing to further his character. Even the fact that he has medical training doesn't really <laughs> come into play at all, except for a no. scene where they like. Find a bandage, and he knows how to put it on himself. <laughs> he knows
0: how to put a bandaid. On. But like, <laughs>
1: yeah, it's useless. Totally useless. These are the it worst is. written characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think characters are the, the focus here. No, except. They
0: but but like speaking about this climax and in this uh, battle scene, I, I do think we get like some cool uh, combat moments from like Jesse where like Chris is like, you know, almost about to get killed by one of the guys and Jesse like shoots him with a bow and arrow or something. So it's, it's, it's cool. Like, yeah, while they aren't like fully developed characters, I feel like they both have like pretty
1: decent agency and are like fighting here. Sure. I I don't how does she know how to shoot a bow and arrow? I, <laughs> yeah, I know. And chooses to do that from 6 feet away rather than just stab him with the arrow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's sure. Sorry, true. <laughs> I have a lot of to criticize about this movie. I don't hate it yeah. as much as it sounds, but man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. no get, stuff. I hear you, man. The, the character stuff was completely uh missing. He also uh, like grabs onto the bottom of a car and rides it to the, their house. <laughs> On like a bumpy dirt road, I gotta believe he would have just been crushed. Oh yeah, with
0: like the the road would have come up and
1: yeah, yeah, or but, or but had he out. he wouldn't have had the strength to hold on. Oh damn, I was actually like I was kind of impressed that that uh, he did that. Like I thought that was a good move. I mean, it's impressive, but whether I mean, or not he could pull it off, even if yeah. he did, I think the bumps would Would've would have gotten crush him. him. Yeah, but there's a really cool moment here where they think everything's okay. They're on a hill, like overlooking a road. And then this ax flies right behind his head and hits the tree right next to him. Yeah, That surprised me and and was really cool. That was really cool.
0: Um, one thing I think throughout, uh, that they do is they shoot like the main characters from far away, which like gives you the impression that they might be being watched. Did did you, uh, like, is, is that like, were, were these guys watching them basically the whole time that morning?
1: Yeah, right? They they do that first-person perspective from the woods pretty frequently. So you aren't sure if they're being watched or if that's just... Them from far away.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is us close. This is us from far away. <laughs> <laughs> kind of same, but just a little smaller. <laughs> See, we look yeah. a little smaller here. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And that's a good way the movie builds suspense. It's a yeah, simple yeah. way to build suspense. It doesn't always... It needs to be a, a part of a broader suspense arsenal. Sure. But it is here. I, I think it's a, a tool that they use and it works. It does, yeah. I think it, when they do it, it works. Um,
0: but, yeah, that, that acts out, it kind of surprised me. But then I was like, ah, maybe I should have picked up on that because we saw, like, or it got the sense that someone might have been watching them earlier. Sure. Um, so, yeah, they uh, get yeah kill the attackers, or they think they have, and they blow up the cabin. Um, they take off. And on their way out, they stop at the gas station and take the map down, which I thought that was like pretty cringy and cheesy. Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, why why would you do that? Like, just get get out of there.
1: Yeah, I mean... Is that telling us about the character? I don't really know. I mean, this final showdown, it was cool, but then it ends with him like blowing up the gas tank. There was some weird editing there. It didn't really look that great. And then, yeah, they go back to the gas station and tear down the map. None of this is really like i th- I thought it was a cool confrontation in the house, but then like the explosion and the scene at the gas station it just didn't really, yeah, it was a weird way to end what I thought was a very climactic scene in terms of the battle within the house,
0: yeah, yeah, right right, yeah, this just be didn't quite sp- land
1: the plane on that
0: aspect. right, right, yeah, and and the movie ends with like a a police officer coming by to that burnt cabin. And we see one of the attackers get up uh, behind him, so we know that these guys are still alive, which is why I think they're they're like supernatural entities, like uh, like a Jason, like you just can't kill them.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. I agree with that. There was uh, something in a newspaper clipping in the credits that said, "What did it say?" I can't remember the exact words, but it implied super strength. Yeah, okay, this breed of mountain people that had been rumored in the area. Sure. But the demons, the demons is where I wanted to hear. Oh, (laughs) You said there was something (laughs) demonic about them. I'd love to hear more about that. Well, how
0: else do you get like those kind of superhuman powers? There's probably maybe a cult kind of thing going on there. Maybe Uh, human sacrifices. uh, They're collecting body parts. Um, Yeah, who knows what's going on. I'm I'm really curious about the rest of the franchise. Like as they build out these characters, uh, what's driving their power? I, I could see it being something from the other side.
1: As much what do you think? As, from the other side, <laughs> as much as I'm like half mocking you, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it goes down that route. Yeah. and we, and so many of our uh, slasher villains later in the franchise, they go that route. Like, oh, there's something something demonic is a, is afoot, or there's a deal with the devil. Yeah, sure, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. Pro- I wouldn't be surprised not, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe in Wrong Turn five four, the devil pops out. It's like yeah, yeah just checking in everything's going. Hey, would going. you like some super strength? <laughs>
0: yeah. Some more super strength to go around. <laughs> uh
1: so it sounds like you love this movie. You know what, man, I have so many problems with it. I I can't believe the characters are written as poorly as they are written. It is yeah. just devoid of any characterization. But and it's also just like so late 90s early 2000s, it's is like ultra serious in some ways and then just has these like vacant characters. It, it, even the editing and the framing feels very of its time, like rapid editing and kind of like incomplete framing where someone's like not totally in the frame. It just, hmm. it's hard to describe, but if you watch the first like 15 minutes of this movie, you'll be like, you'll know when it was made. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the action and suspense sequences are really good. I mean, we, I wish I had like cited more specific details about how they succeeded, but we talked about it a little bit. Like, the camera work throughout is really good. Just the blocking and the arrangement of, like, this is going to happen over here, and that will happen here. Then they move that way. It's directed really well. It creates a lot of suspense. They make good use of the space with the camera. That is the fun of this movie. Mm-hmm. And and in many ways, if you're just looking for a popcorn movie, that outshines the weaknesses. You can just sit back and enjoy that aspect. I agree. The yeah. characters are bad and the performances are bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you didn't like the like the acting either?
1: No, I didn't. I love I love Elton. I love uh, Jeremy Sisto. Yeah, everybody else I thought was pretty weak. Sure, sure. Um, Especially our two main, Eliza Dushku and Desmond Harrington. Yeah. They were bad. I mean, they they weren't given anything to work with, though, right? Like, yeah. what's my character's motivation? Yeah. You're late for a meeting. <laughs> I mean, there's and nothing you, to these characters. Live. I don't know how much they can be blamed. Yeah. No, I, I agree
0: with everything you said. I, I think the strength of this film is the those, like, fun sequences with the cabin in the trees and the junkyard, uh, the final battle. Um. Yeah. They, they had a great uh, great, great eye for like the the camera work there and making those very suspenseful and scary. Uh, the, I thought the practical effects were pretty cool. Then the gore works really well. On on your point about the characters, I agree. Like uh, these these were bland, like shitty characters. But as we were talking about earlier, like uh, early two thousands, celebrities are like main people. Most people were pretty shitty and bland. So
1: maybe they got that part right and and nailed the characters. Maybe I just wish they hadn't. They had. <laughs> transcended the time period they were filming in and and realized that people are more interesting when they actually have a personality like these characters had zero zero personality
0: yeah i couldn't tell what was worse the the lack of time they took to develop the main characters or the amount of time they wasted on the characters who did speak because like they're like
1: the attempts to build those characters was just like boring and terrible the conversation, so much of the development was just conversation about their, like, future wedding with that couple. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, that dialogue was just fairly boring. Right, um, right. And, and there was too much of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, what, did you think the villains were effective? Um, I'd say yes, but I feel like they could have been anything. I mean, it was just more the action sequences and the fact that there was a threat and, and how that was navigated through direction and filming that was scary and suspenseful. It wasn't, oh, my God, these villains look incredible. They did. I mean, they're, they're, their makeup effects look good. Uh, it wasn't, oh, these particular villains are especially scary. I felt yeah. they were fairly generic villains. Mm. Yeah,
0: I feel like uh, we, we've seen a lot of films that, like, a lot of the hillbilly horror films kind of have similar-looking villains. Uh, but I also noticed, uh, we didn't spend too much time on them or their faces. Like they, it was never like kind of a, a slow shot or like a, a still shot of them. That's true. Um, they weren't because, showcased
1: very, very much. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how that plays out
0: in the sequences.
1: And they probably should have been more so. Why not? You need all this work on the
0: makeup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Give us more of that. Do you feel like the kills we got enough of, uh,
1: in terms of like the gore or were those like always really quick? You know, that's another thing. The kills... They were cool, but they were very fast. We yep. saw more in Aftermath than we saw happening. Right. So, you know, we had the girl who got the barbed wire around the mouth. We saw that split second, and then we saw her body afterwards. I don't even know if we saw what happened to the stoner dude. No, I think his body just pops out of a car at one point. Yeah, right, When they right, open the right, door. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think we see them chopping up some other body at some point. Maybe it was a cop or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, even. We see him get an arrow through the eye. We see Elton. uh, Sorry, he's Elton to me and probably nobody (laughs) else listening. We see Scott get shot with an arrow in the back, but it's not particularly grisly or anything. Right. So even though the violent imagery is very grim, we see body parts and jars and teeth and stuff like that. And the kills don't shy away from the violence, but they're, the kills themselves are not a showpiece, if you will. Right. And that one right. girl gets her head chopped in half, which is really cool. hmm But we don't see it in vivid detail. It's cool, the angle, when we see her body drop. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. That's the best kill in the movie. I think so. Yeah, that's a great one. But they don't really utif- utilize... The special effects make up for the kills as much as they could have. Sure, yeah, it's definitely could have been a
0: lot gorier. Yeah, uh, it could have gone like more like the hostile route of like, uh, and and even like when they're in the cabin, like we're hearing the body get chopped up, but you're kind of like seeing them and like hearing their like, yeah, uh, you're more scared for them versus focused on the action.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because it's like a grisly, gory movie, but at the same time could have been more so it's it's grisly right. gory and kind of mean feeling right so it has a little bit of that texas chainsaw energy where that movie's not quite as gory as you think it is but it pretty grisly at the same time yeah right right do you Other think this likely. movie had anything to add to this subgenre or any higher <laughs> 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 anything uh, greater than the plot i don't see really any themes here or pushing forward of the genre in any
0: way Oh, for sure. No, I, I don't think it was uh, reinventing anything or bringing anything new. I, I think it's just uh, it, it succeeded on the action and the scary sequences. But otherwise, yeah, thematically or like uh, story-wise, it, it was nothing we hadn't seen before.
1: What yeah. about you? <clears throat> agreed, agreed. And, and I think the survival element of Hillbilly Horror is like the biggest thing about it. And, you know, can the refined city folk hold their own when push comes to shove and it's like an all out battle for survival and they've got to like tend to their wounds and do the gritty shit that's needed to survive. (laughs) That's what the genre is kind of about in a way. If you're looking at deliverance as the granddaddy of it. So it does that, you know, but not in a particularly interesting way. Yeah. There's no theme. There's no character arc. It's pretty uninteresting, but as a popcorn movie, I think it succeeds.
0: (laughs) I agree. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely definitely like not a a standout. It's it's kind of bland, but a a fun watch, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Do you want to jump to the rating then or anything else? Let's do it. All right. Well, then uh, how many axes
1: to the face would you give this? I'm really between a three and a 3.5. Ah, okay. I have so many bad things to say about this, but those action scenes <laughs> really shine bright. I'm gonna give it a three point five. Ah, nice. Good for you,
0: Despite man. Despite
1: all my criticisms, I feel like my ratings have been inconsistent with my feedback lately. But it, it's it's easier to criticize. I have more to say about the criticisms than I do about the the strengths. And really, if you just come into the movie thinking I'm I'm watching a popcorn movie, I I. Want to be entertained with a cheap early two thousands flick? Yeah, uh, which not cheap twelve million. It's a big movie. That's another thing I'll say. These action sequences, they are not hindered by a budget. It seems you know they're they're up in mm-hmm. fucking trees, they're running through the woods. The camera that explosions. Is, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, they go all out, and and props for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I think completely lackluster characterization in some part <laughs> acting. Was overcome by the fun set pieces and the well-crafted action and suspense. Sure. But it it can only be appreciated as pure popcorn horror. There's nothing more than that here. But what what do you think, Zero to Five? Uh, I
0: completely agree. I'm, I'm at three axes to the face. Uh, for all the same reasons, like for great, like easy watch uh, with like brainless uh, kind of attitude. To, yeah, you can't go in like looking for any depth or meaning or any like emotional buy into the characters at all. This is straight like by the book uh, and and pretty like uh, direct tribute to some of those uh, movies like Hills of Eyes, House of Th- Thousand Corpses. I don't know, like would can't tell. Like I, I feel like it was a little more entertaining than those. Maybe just because of the pacing. Or the
1: action sequences, like what, what do you think? Where, where would you rank it relative to those? They actually, they mention as you're talking about like a direct influence or direct reference. They mention Deliverance in the movie. Oh yeah, right. Um, you know, I might like this a little bit better than House of a Thousand Corpses. I, House of a Tha- Thousand Corpses nails its aesthetic, but I don't think it's a very interesting movie up until the final act. Uh, I'd maybe put this on the same page as, as that one. Mm. I thought the 2006 Hills Have Eyes remake was great. Okay, um, better than this one. And actually, all those like abandoned cars, like that imply that these people have kidnapped many people. You know, finding yeah. a junkyard that was in Hills Have Eyes remake too. I wonder oh, if they right. got, it, got yeah. it. from this. I don't yes. think that was in Hills Have Eyes original. Okay. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, I know. you see so many similar things within these movies as well. Um, I'm actually uh, not a huge fan of this subgenre in general. I guess now that I, when I really think about it, Deliverance is great. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw is great. Right. I like the House of, or the Hills Have Eyes remake. Everything else, I'm just fine on.
0: <laughs> Makes me want to watch uh, Tucker and Dale though. I feel like that that'd be a fun one.
1: That's a great one. We need to cover that one at some point. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that that's probably the other good one to add in here. But I, I'm with you. Like, yeah, when I figured out, uh, after we picked this movie and I, I figured out what genre it was, I, I was a little down. I was like, <laughs> not this again. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, very repetitive and a lot of similarities and missing the character uh, development, unfortunately. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, cool. Uh, I, I feel it, like, how, I, I'm glad you gave it a three because 3.25 is really what I'd like to rate it. And that's ah, okay. our average. That's the accurate number. Um,
0: and the remake, though, it made it to your top five, so I'm assuming that brought in something new, huh?
1: That had a lot more to say than this movie did, which is another reason Yeah, I didn't want to come right out and say it at the top of the half to save some of my review for the end. All the reason I'm more impressed with Alan B. McElroy coming back and doing a like totally different approach to his script 20 years later because he really strengthened it i don't know if it's just his evolution as a screenwriter or just what the goal was what he was going for mm-hmm. it, there were character arcs i mean the, the first 20 to 30 minutes of that movie people might be watching it and being like what the hell's brian talking about this is same movie also pretty, yeah yeah <clears throat> mm-hmm. but it gets deeper we see the character go through more she's way more developed she has an arc it has stuff to say about society and America and there's there's a lot richer commentary there too. And uh, that's great. Not only obvious stuff, but I think stuff you could read into or an- analyze different ways. <laughs> it's yeah, a much awesome. better movie in my opinion. <clears throat>
0: yeah, that's what you need in, in in this genre to make it stand out. Otherwise it's very derivative. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. And actually there's a throwaway line that I think in this movie that could have inspired him to take go down a certain path that he went down with the 2021 film, but I don't think I can share it because I think it would spoil Ah. a crucial element of that film. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I'm excited to see
0: that one. Yeah, you should
1: watch it sometime.
0: All right, I'll check it out. Great. Well, anything else? That's it. That's all I got. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our discussion on Wrong Turn. If you enjoyed the discussion you can leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast@horrormovieclub.com. At We're going to announce next week's movie on Facebook and Instagram, in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord, where you can join us and other horror fans to talk about the genre some more. You can find the link to that on our website. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, I guess according to Brian, if you're getting lost on a highway somewhere, don't stop at a gas station and ask for directions.
1: Just uh, guess on your own or something, or what advice would you have? I'm not saying you shouldn't stop at the gas station but I think maybe you should find a way to hear what the guy says under his breath after you leave. <laughs> to, like do a fake leave? Yeah, maybe case. pull a George Costanza and like leave a briefcase with a tape recorder in <laughs> it. You know, nice, back. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what they have, how they really feel. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly.